I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. And now, it's 10 a.m. Let's just get down to it. And it's time for your sports fix. Strap yourselves in, folks. From two guys who have covered the teams you're passionate about for years. We are professionals. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com. Jacob Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson, happy Tuesday to you. What's going on over there, Ben? Things are good. How was your long weekend? It was uh, It was. It was not long, really, considering we had games Sunday and Monday, but it was fine. Yeah. It was fine. It was good. I got to spend a little extra time with fam, which is always a, uh, a good thing. Got to wake up a little more slowly, which unfortunately would have been nice if we actually had an 830 game on Sunday night. Versus right. the eight thirty game last night. Yeah, there's which that game wasn't even on ESPN. Why did they wait to start that game at eight thirty? It's on NBA TV. Just start the game. Right. Nobody's. No one's yeah. waiting. No yeah. One, I, no one cares. <laughs> late games. I'm just so glad. I believe that's our last eight thirty late game of the regular season. Yeah, so probably. Let's hope because even the eight o'clock starts. Even that half hour, I think, makes a makes a tremendous does. difference. It does. Uh, but yeah, no. There's no. There's no sleeping more. There's no getting up easy. In my house, Ben, that's a luxury I don't have. Can't wait till I get back to those days where I could get up easy. That sounds amazing. It's amazing. Coming it's coming for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, uh, you know, we'll get through it. It was good. It was good. My uh, my family got to go to the ice castles yesterday. Oh, me. how was that? I've never done that. I don't know. I wasn't there. Oh, you didn't go? Oh, no. No. Because uh, I had to stay home with the closet installer. <laughs> We're going and, to the castles. And the baby. Yeah. So there was that. But no, it was it was fine. <laughs> I'm going. We're going through this thing. Hey, give me some advice, Ben. Your kids are a little older. And yeah, then we'll, we'll dive into the jazz. You know, my attitude in life has always been "can't win, don't try." Okay. But I don't want that to be my daughter's attitude in life. And right now, she's having a tough time with losing. She does not like to lose okay. to the point where now she says she doesn't want to play anymore. Yep. When she loses. Oh, I, I'm so I'm still running into this. I got Candyland for Christmas for my kids. They gave me the, the board game Candyland. And so my son and my daughter and I were all playing. And my nine-year-old son 
ran up the board. And Candyland is pure luck. Pure, there is no strategy. Right. It's like you draw a card, it's that color, you move to that color. Sometimes you land on a lollipop or sometimes you pull you know, the cupcake card and you go to that square. Yep. So I was on the very – my son wins. I was the very last spot – on my next card, I drew it. I was going to move into the Candyland Castle. My daughter was like three spots back of me, and I was drawing next. There was basically no way for me to lose unless I picked one of the five cards in the deck that went sent me back to the beginning of the board, and uh-huh. I just so happened to get that card, and she was three spots behind me, and it was a blessing because, yes, we never would have played Candyland again. We never would have played a board game again, at least not for another three years when she had forgotten the pain of this losing, because if she had lost, she would have been broken. So I'm still with you. That might, that might never go away. And here's what's scary. That's your firstborn, because yeah. secondborns are way worse about no. it. No. Because they're way more competitive. Really? Way more competitive. Okay, so my wife likes uh, the, the Food Network. The, she particularly likes that Worst Cook show. I don't know if you've ever watched that. It's, uh, yeah, it's mildly entertaining. I don't mind sitting down and watching it, but, but my wife really likes it. So now there's this kid's baking competition kids baking championship or something like that and uh my wife has started watching that with sadie and so we we kind of played it up like maybe because we're trying to get to this this work hard kind of thing i've talked to you about that off the air where you you know sometimes you have to do hard things Uh, and so we're saying oh you you know you like to bake with mom well if you practice really hard maybe you could be on the kids baking you know whatever well on this show ben I don't know about applying reality show rules to kids, but it's just heartbreaking yes. when these children get sent home. Correct. It's just they just burst into tears. It's like, oh, I, I don't even want to watch this anymore. And my daughter looks at my wife and says, "I don't want to be on Kids Baking Championship anymore. I might get sent home." And it's like, oh, I mean, she's right. She probably oh. will get sent home. So you know, my wife says, like, well. You know, there's a lot of kids that work really hard and don't even get the opportunity, but that doesn't seem to land with a four-year-old at the moment. Correct. That might be overparenting. Okay. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> you know, she's not going to – the nice thing is kids bounce back pretty quickly. And I know right now your daughter's afraid of not doing it. Sometimes they run through it, they figure it out, they lose, and they'll come back the next Because I'm going they home tonight. They are pretty good at dusting themselves off. And we're playing a game. Yeah. In fact, we have Candyland. And I'm going to – well, you know what? I'm not going to play Candyland because I'm going to play a game that I basically ensure I'm going to to win. win. And we're going to teach some lessons tonight, Ben. Take her out to the court. Post her up. (laughs) Sweetheart, we're going to play ball. You have a hundred and what? Forty-pound advantage on her probably? Hundred and thirty pounds? Four. And three feet? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dunk on her. Yeah. (laughs) Take her one of the low hoops and dunk on her all night long. (laughs) We're learning some lessons tonight. You'll learn the lesson when you finally beat dad. You'll know what all these hours are for. Right. So, I don't know. You'll Four-year-old, know too young, too young to, to take him out to the basketball court and work out my drop step. Take it. Yeah. Right. Show her the hook shot. Show her the great Jake's, the Jake Scott <laughs> hook shot. Be like me playing against Hans. Did you ever hear that story of how we played two-on-two? Gordon and I took on Hans and, uh, and uh, Sean O'Connell. No. And listen, Sean and Hans are not basketball players. Correct. Fine football players. Sean, obvious, uh, brilliant in the emitter. But we neglected how, like, pick up two-on-two ball, how size could really be an issue. Sure. That much space. one, O'Connell just, I mean, it's Gordon and me, so O'Connell just ran right through us, right? Uh, OC did. And Hans just laid the ball up into the bottom of the rim and rebounded it and laid it up into the bottom of the rim. Maybe... 
seven, eight, nine times, and then it would go in eventually. And uh, while I'm jumping around like an idiot, anyway, it'd be like hands. Uh, should we talk about the jazz, Ben? Let's and, do and it. Here, I want to set it up this way because, uh, fortunately for me, I've got somebody that uh, writes about breaking jazz news on a moment by moment basis. Take us through your weekend, Ben, from a jazz perspective, because. <laughs> A lot happened. Yeah, it's true. It was a busy weekend. A lot happened. So take us through this. So we left the show Friday, and we didn't end up... They actually had practice. Shoot-around usually lasts 45 minutes to an hour. That's why we will carry shoot-around, because it starts at 10 o'clock, and by 11, 15, you you and I have sound usually. Uh, Practice, especially when they haven't practiced in a long time, which has been the case for the Jazz right now, especially because they had so many bodies out with COVID, but they've been on the road through so much of the, the new year is they just haven't had practice. So Quinn Snyder uses that opportunity to have a long practice. Now, Rudy Gobert comes out on Friday, and this feels like old news now because of everything yeah, that's happened since. it wasn't since. that long ago. It was Friday, the last day. It was since our last show. Rudy Gobert comes out and says, I think our biggest problem basically this year, but really over the last week, has been we're bad defensively. You look at a guy like Devin Booker and the Phoenix Suns, and you look at the Golden State Warriors, and they have winning habits, and he cares about defense, and he tries really hard, and that's so much better than he was two years ago. That's what we need to be. And that felt like a not-so-subtle dig at Jordan Clarkson and, uh, most importantly, Donovan Mitchell. And probably some others there, too. And then both of those guys— I would take out the uh, not-so-subtle part. Correct. It was a dig. And then both of those guys liked a tweet from Eric Walden, Trib Jazz, when when Eric Eric called it a subtweet by— Rudy Gobert towards those guys. And a subtweet is just when you passive-aggressively talk about somebody without mentioning their yeah. name uh, in, on Twitter. So they both like that. And, of course, they practice again Saturday. So we have a chance to ask Donovan Mitchell and Jordan Clarkson about it. And that's what we do. That is our job to ask them, hey, you guys like this tweet. You saw Rudy Gobert's comments. What were your thoughts? And Donovan Mitchell said, we need to play defense. We need to lock in. That's how he wants to handle things. I guess that's his way of doing it, and that's fine. We're cool. It doesn't matter. But was bummed about it. Was clearly unhappy with how Gobert handled it. Jordan Clarkson, who is unshakable in his joy towards life, which is one of the reasons why you want to keep him around, in my opinion, if you're a jazz fan, was also not distraught about it, but I asked him about it. I said, did it feel like a shot at you? And he said, look, I'm done talking about it, which is just he never heard that not from like Jordan. Not like him, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he was done talking about it. Didn't want to mention it at all. And then at the end of the conversation with Donovan Mitchell, because this report came out last week, but because the Jazz haven't practiced, and every time we've talked to Donovan Mitchell, it's been after a loss to either Indiana or Detroit or Cleveland, which were none of the three easy losses for the Jazz, our first real chance to talk to Donovan Mitchell outside of those losses was Saturday after this Rudy Gobert stuff, but this report had broken from ESPN, from Tim McMahon, who's very well connected to the Jazz and the NBA, that Donovan Mitchell may prefer at some point to play in a bigger market. At least that's what GMs around the league think. That's the buzz. So I asked Donovan Mitchell mm-hmm. about that, and he was frustrated, and he cut me off, and he said, you guys always do this. You wait until we're losing to ask these questions. Now, it's true that these types of issues bubble up more commonly when there's losing. You know, we start to say, like, hey, are they happy? Is he going to be happy in Salt Lake if the team's not playing well, if they're losing? Nobody asks right now if Giannis Antetokounmpo is happy in Milwaukee. But that was a huge question two years ago. Is he going to resign? Right. You win a championship, nobody cares anymore. But you're not winning, and people are going to ask those questions. So I think that's pretty universal. But anyways, it was our first chance to ask Donovan Mitchell about it, and he was frustrated. So 
that was just a tough Friday, Saturday back to back for the Jazz, and they were on the back of a four game losing streak, having to lose to Toronto, Indiana, Detroit, and Cleveland. And then they went out, and I thought they played spectacularly well on Sunday night in, Great. in Denver. Against Denver. Absolutely. You played really good defense. You held Jokic. I mean, you didn't stop him from getting a triple-double, but he was pretty benign, yeah. I thought, for most of the night. And Gobert was terrific, and Donovan Mitchell was terrific, and the defense was really good. And you thought, okay, they've kind of righted the ship a little bit. They needed to fix this, and they did. And then we'll get to the Laker game because that was a different story. And actually, the problems in the Laker game were very different. Unique yeah, for jazz problems. Yeah, very much so. So we'll, we'll dive into the Lakers. But, but I want to talk about what happened over the weekend because that is the big story. You know, jazz on the whole and yeah. where, where, the, uh, where the team is going. Um, Rudy, Rudy it, it's, as somebody, Ben, who looks dumb publicly on the reg, nobody likes it. Nobody Correct. likes to look bad in public. All right. Right. It's why people sometimes, most times, respond to one-on-one personal communication a lot better than putting somebody on blast. Correct. But sometimes some folks out there feel like the only way to get a, get through to people is by putting them on blast. I don't know personally if that's ever a good move. Right. But but some people do. I, I talked to a good friend just yesterday who talked about the the president of the company or whatever sending out some mass email to the whole company talking about how sales needs to pick it up. And it's like is that really necessary? Right. Right? right? But this is in and I loved Donovan's response because it was so mature and I'll I'll talk about why probably it's mature here in a second. But where Donovan said this is the way Rudy chooses to hold everybody accountable, and that's obviously been something that's talked about in that locker room, as it is a lot of places, a lot of workplaces. Hey, hold e- we need to hold each other accountable. We need to hold each other accountable to a high standard. We've all heard the talks, yes, yes. right? It's no different in an NBA locker room. And this is what Rudy chooses to do. Now, Donovan, I believe that he and Clarkson – did have their feelings hurt or, or were bummed about I, it or whatever. I know they did. Because getting back to my point that nobody likes looking dumb in public. Yes. Nobody. But Rudy, this has been his vehicle of holding his teammates accountable, if that's the verbiage we want to choose at the moment, for a long time going back to the George Hill year where he's speaking of subtweeting, basically subtweeted George Hill about worrying too much about his contract and not enough about getting the team to the playoffs. And then go, let's go back to, I guess, 2019, 2020, where nine games into the season, Rudy pulls aside, I think it was, who was it? Larson? Andy Larson? Says, hey, I'm going to give you an exclusive. I ain't getting the ball yeah. enough. Yeah. I am not getting the ball enough. And... So Donovan, remember the fallout from that? The whole team fallout for that. I was at the next practice, and yep. Joe Ingles was yelling at Andy right. for some reason. Right. And he's like, what? Rudy pulls me aside and Tells says, you want to yeah. give me a story? I'll give you a story. What am I supposed to say? No. Uh, but uh, that, was, that was kind of a, a funny moment. But anyway, it's not like this is the first time Rudy's done it. So... For Donovan to learn from the past, and again, the the two thing, the the one thing these two have in common is that they both badly want to win a championship. Yes, and they're in the same boat, and I think they both realize they have to row the same direction or figure out a, the way to best row in the same direction. So I thought incredibly appropriate, mature response from Donovan Mitchell, saying you know, kind of implying, you know, I don't. I don't like it. I guess I'd prefer some other way of communicating, but this is his way of doing it. 
And then Donovan responded in the Denver game, which I think is the most important thing that happened between the last time we talked on Friday, Ben, and now. More so than the Laker loss or whatever, Donovan responded to Rudy. And Jordan Clarkson did too, by the way. Let's not leave leave him out of it. Uh, Both responded to Rudy, played great games against Denver. Rudy in the postgame named them both by name. About how well they played, how Not hard they so played, and the, and the and defense. Culpa. Right. Yep. He, he named them by name, said, way to go out there, appreciate the work. And I felt like the fact that Donovan, who is a leader, if not the leader on the team, responded, I think is really important. Because that tells the rest of the team, hey, this is what Rudy does. Don't be grumpy with Rudy. He makes us all look good. Let's go play. That's the most important thing that came out of all the drama, in my opinion, over the weekend, was how Donovan Mitchell responded to it. And he played better. And you saw his interactions with Rudy Ben, where he he pushed Rudy when he made that yep. prayer one-hander that, that, yeah. that, that didn't count. Yep. Like, they, oh, but after was, the game on the sidelines, when, it was, when they had won, he goes it. over and he gives yes. Rudy a high five. And then Rudy's doing his post-game walk-off. And Donovan again goes up to him. But And maybe they're full of it. But that's at least a signal like, hey, we got to do this together. Here we go. It was a really impressive, I thought, 48 hours from Donovan Mitchell Saturday and Sunday. I totally agree. Because what Rudy said was right, but you don't address it that way. The way Rudy handled it, imagine this. You have your four... Your first four-game losing streak. Your worst four days at work that you've had in two years. The guy who wasn't there all week, and I get he was sick, but the guy who wasn't there there. all week comes back and immediately criticizes everything you did the week he was away and says you were the problem. When it's like, hey, dude, you weren't there. Like, you were not there with the team. And I get, through no fault of your own, but you were not there. And we're having a bad week. Why don't you come back and help us instead of coming back and telling us what we're not doing hard enough right. without our best player there or our second best player or whatever, the, the, what our franchise is designed around. Why don't you not right. be that guy? So you can say the right thing at the wrong time or you can say the truth and not need to say it. And that's what Rudy Gobert did Friday. That was a stupid thing of Rudy Gobert to say. You know uh, what? I, I had this funny thought. I had a roommate um, who – Work the graveyard shift, Ben, uh-huh. and obnoxiously, instead of coming home and going to bed, he used to come home and watch cable news all day. And then, of course, you know, when the normal people were getting home from work at a normal time or whatever, he was sleeping. Yeah. And Anyway, long story short. But when you did come home and, and talk to him, he just unloaded about the cable news that he had been watching for the last, like, seven hours. I mean, just talked my ear off for, like, an hour about everything that uh, that he just witnessed. You know what I thought about Rudy? Wow, there's a guy who's been watching TV for yep. a while. Yep, <laughs> 100%. There's a guy hanging out in a room alone uh, uh, watching NBA on TV like the rest of us schlubs this and making a- observations. But to, but to your point, to come back and just put everybody on blast when you weren't well, a stupid. part of the hardest week, uh, in, in your words, and I think you're right, over the last two years, it would turn some heads. It was stupid. It was a bad decision by Rudy Gobert. But look, Gobert also wasn't the only player who called out Donovan Mitchell over the weekend. And this kind of slid by because he handled it with better social tact than Rudy Gobert has. But Rudy Gay also called out Donovan Mitchell a little bit for the Jazz losing streak. And he said this, and I've got it on my Twitter account. He said, our leaders have to step up more. And they've done a great job, but I think some of our young leaders have been faced with this kind of adversity, and it's something that builds character. 
that was a subtle way of being like, our leaders need to be leaders. Yeah. And mm-hmm. there were times in the Donovan Mitchell or over that four-game losing streak where it felt like the Jazz didn't have a direction. And like that's Donovan Mitchell's job. He's the best player on the team. He's the second highest paid player on the team behind Rudy Gobert. When Gobert's not there, Donovan has to be the guy. And there were times it felt like they were looking for somebody to give them direction. Even though he's scoring points, he's doing what he does so fabulously well, and it helps the team win. It sounds like, to me... Talking to Rudy Gay, he felt like they needed a little bit more guidance, leadership, steadiness, not on the court, but even off the court. And Rudy Gay said, hey, you got to do that better. You need to be that guy. And actually thought Donovan Mitchell really answered the bell pretty well the last couple of days. I'm glad you brought up those comments from Rudy Gay because that's, that's totally the eye roll of a veteran. Right there. That is a guy who's been in a zillion locker rooms and seen it all. Yep. All the drama, yep. the leaders, good leadership, bad leadership. Lord knows what else he's seen Correct. in his time in the NBA. And he's looking at the leadership right now on the Jazz, rolling his eyes and saying, these guys have got to get it together. Correct. And that's hilarious. And, I, that's, I almost and well put. Like, that's kind of how I posed the question to him. I said, like, you know, no offense, but you've lost a lot in your career. Like Rudy Gay has not played on good basketball teams historically. Memphis wasn't very good when he was there. Raptors weren't good when he was there. Kings weren't good when yeah. he was there. Spurs, okay, for a couple of seasons. Yeah, but, but he just not, not the Spurs, Spurs. And I said, you know, what's yeah. the difference between losing four games like you did last week and lo- having a losing team? Like, what, what's similar, yeah. what's dissimilar? And he did, and that's, that's kind of how he got onto the conversation of leadership. He says, we've got the guys, we've got the talent. When everyone's back here, we're going to be just fine. The losing will stop, and that's what happened on Sunday night. It didn't carry over to last night, which you mentioned we will talk about. But he did say, you know, there does have to be some more leadership that comes out of this. But this is... This is the ups and downs of a season. This is growth. This is where uh, you build yourself, you know, and, and that doesn't always mean you build yourself in the right direction. But this is a good challenge for the Jazz right now. It's going to make them figure out whether they're for real or not. That's, uh, again, why I think the biggest thing from the weekend was the response that they had uh, uh, against Denver. And one thing about Donovan Mitchell, uh, you know, I'm sure he heard those comments from Rudy Gay. Donovan does listen. Oh, 100%. I mean, Donovan is coachable. Yep. Donovan does reach out for advice from veterans and retired players. I mean, it's the way he established his relationship with Dwayne Wade in the first place, right? You know, Quinn Snyder from day one has talked about how, how coachable Donovan is. Donovan listens. He's, when, when Rudy Gay says something about, you know, leadership on this team needs to figure it out, Donovan knows what that means. He's not yep. – He's he may have been born at night, but it wasn't last night. Right. You know, he's a smart guy. So, interesting stuff, though, that's going on with this Jazz team. Should we talk about the uniqueness of, of last night's game coming up? We can. Everybody sees every tweet. That's what I've learned. Oh, it's true. Everybody yeah. sees every tweet, whether they have burner accounts, whether it's the players, the coaches, the Wives, front office. brothers. It gets back to them. Yeah. In fact, here, I'm going to brag a little bit because I was proud of this last night. Do you want to know who liked one of my tweets last night from a week ago, meaning they had scrolled back somehow or I'd ended up in their algorithm? I, I, I cheated because I did see You this. saw this? Yeah. Miss Gabrielle Union liked one of my tweets about Donovan Mitchell. I think it was in his big market thing. I think it was about Donovan Mitchell cutting me off on Saturday when he was asked about the big market, which again felt like it was three weeks ago. But yeah, everybody sees everything. I promise you if Gabrielle Union, Dwayne Wade's wife and an, you know, an actor on her own part and has her own life and successful career on her own part sees tweets about Donovan Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell sees tweets about Donovan Mitchell. Everybody sees everything and I think that's a, that's a good lesson to always be learned. Megan, I want you to mark this down. It it took uh let's see. <laughs> 25 minutes yeah, into at least I our waited. first segment. At least I waited 25 minutes. For Ben to bring up the fact that uh, Gabrielle Gabriel Union, Union liked my tweet. Yes. 
So 25 minutes. Still segment one, however. That, but I'd that's, like that noted, too. Still yeah, do that. I'm fine with that. Segment one. I, I had to put it on social media. Jake, that's not something I ever thought would happen to the me. The world has to know. They do. Here's a here's Did a somewhat Gabrielle union like your tweet, Jake. Here's a somewhat related humble brag, but but really kind of on point funny. Uh, I ran into Jerry Sloan. This is years ago. I ran into Jerry Sloan in the in the bowels of the 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 arena here, and he uh, he told me that he liked my show. Oh, really? Yeah, he huh? told me that he liked my show. That's so, shocking. So I I I could not believe it. I was yeah. I was floored. But I mean, so like kind of blown away, you know. So I go to text my wife. I was like, guess what? Jerry Sloan just told me you like my show. But I put it on my wife's family's text chain. Huh. So it just looked like I was telling everyone, everyone, like, yeah. hey, guess what happened to you today? Well, Jerry Sloan complimented me. Jake, people tweet out their Wordle scores now, so you can see. I don't is feel that bad. what that is? I don't feel bad is, sharing explain my, this uh, to me. my Gabrielle Union. Is this a game? If I see one more of those stupid boxes. I'll explain things. Wordle to you. It's actually a good game, but I'll explain it to you what the boxes are. Listen, how they, I didn't know what they meant. I was suckered into playing over the weekend, and now I get it. I don't block anybody. I've blocked one person in my Twitter career. Yeah. I'm going to start blocking every stupid every square thing user. that I see. Megan, have you Wordled yet? I have not. You haven't no. wordled yet? No. Oh, it's pretty fun. It's a fun game. Actually, I didn't block that person. I muted him. Yeah. There's a difference there. But I could take it. I'm fine. But wordle's got to go. <laughs> wordle's too much. <laughs> wordle's too much. If we can tweet out our wordle scores unashamedly, I can say that Gabrielle Union liked one of my tweets that pertains to the jazz while we were talking about everyone seeing anything. Stay everything. tuned. We'll have more coming up next. We'll talk about what happened last night. We also night. have to do the top three stories of the day because we got Randy Ray oh, coming up. Oh, it's Tuesday. I keep thinking it's Monday. No, it's Tuesday. No, we have top three stories. But we'll talk about the Jazz. At kslsports.com uh, coming up next. But yeah, we'll we'll dive into what's going on with the Jazz. want to remind you about our friends at Homey. Finally, the way real estate should be. Full service, local agents, and you will save thousands. Homey, a better way to buy or sell. Top three stories at kslsports.com coming up next. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's half past the hour and time to talk Utah Jazz. Oh, Donovan! This is your Jazz at 30 update. Ring the 30-point bell. Jazz coming off a tough loss to the Lakers. Here's Donovan Mitchell's thoughts on the overall performance. We competed defensively. I think the biggest thing is um, we missed some shots. Offense got a little stagnant, but, you know, they, they kind of got on the run. Stanley Jackson kind of got going late. I think that's what uh, ended up changing the game. This update is brought to you by Five Star Painting. Refresh the inside or outside of your home with a five-star experience with Five Star Painting. They've got the time, skills, and tools. FiveStarPainting.com. That's FiveStarPainting.com. Who's got it better than us? No! the best sports coverage in Utah. You're listening to Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com Had enough of heartbreaking pain Had a little sweet spot for the rain. Real feel good tune on a Tuesday. Oh, yeah. 
Jake and Ben, 97.5 and uh, 1280 The Zone. Jake, good news. Over the weekend, Gabrielle Union liked one of my tweets. <laughs> did she? I saw that. Did you, you know, see that? Somebody told me that. I don't know. Did you see that? Making the rounds. She's famous, you know. Oh, incredibly famous. She's, uh, the she spouse. found my tweet, Ben Anderson's tweets. She's the uh, the spouse of the, the guy on the Cube, right? She is. Her husband is the host of the Cube. Yeah. Her son plays uh, semi-pro basketball. For the stars. For the stars. Well, you know what? Great segue. Should we give away some uh, stars tickets, actually? I'd love to do that. You got, a, got an email from our guy, John Reinhardt. says wants to uh, get the word out about the game tonight and uh, give away some tickets. Uh, 12th caller, 855-340-ZONE. You're going to get a family four-pack, 855-340-ZONE, to see the Salt Lake City Stars. And uh, they're playing uh, tonight and tomorrow against the Memphis Hustle. These are rescheduled games, so uh, plenty of great seats available. Starts at uh, 7 o'clock. Be the 12th caller, 855-340-ZONE. Or if you're interested in going, tickets start at just 12 bucks. Call or text 801-325-STAR or visit slcstars.com to reserve your seats today. Now before... Megan jumps on those phones. Let's get to the top three stories at kslsports.com. Brought to you by our friends at J. Brooks Jewelers. I happened by the location uh, on Winchester Street oh. over the weekend. Beautiful. I don't know. Have you ever been in they that have, one? Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, gorgeous. Um, let's go, Megan. You ready to roll? Number one. The Utah Jazz lose to the L.A. Lakers 95-101 to 101 last night. Ben, uh, it was an ugly game. I did not enjoy watching it. Uh, <laughs> Nobody did. It no, was one of the least enjoyable basketball games I've watched in a long time. I don't know how you could have. Um, but the Jazz lately have been losing games with their Civ defense. Last night, that was not the case. The offense looked dreadful in the, uh, well, particularly the second and the fourth quarters, but it was shooting, offense, shot selection, all of the above that let the Jazz down last night. Not their defense. Uh Here's the weird thing about last night, and you're 100% right. 101 points. Jazz went 22 consecutive games not scoring fewer than triple digits, and it just so happens they've done it twice in the last three games. Now, the reason you did it to Cleveland is because you didn't have a front court. Of course, you're not going to score many points against a huge team in Cleveland. Last night, you just you played poorly on the offensive end of the ball. Your defense was not why you lost that game. So, in fact, on the second night of a back-to-back, defense being as good as it was last night, the fact that you lost, I could I could conceivably, in certain vacuums, chalk that up as a ball didn't go in the hoop, as a make or miss league, etc. Don't. I could. Don't. No, you couldn't. But on the back end of a four-game losing streak, after it felt like the ship was righted with the win over Denver, after a tumultuous Friday and Saturday, with the trade deadline pending 23 days from today, with tradable assets, with a number of players who are tradable and the pressure to win, feeling like something big has to happen, last night felt huge, even though I think it probably wasn't. Considering where the loss was, what had been happening in the week building up to it, and what is not too far in the distant future with the trade deadline, it felt huge. And it and I understand why Jazz fans all over my timeline are in a panic right now. I could argue that the last four games last week didn't matter at all. And even Rudy Gay said that. You didn't have anyone against Toronto. You didn't have Rudy Gobert in any of the three games. You didn't have any front court like we mentioned uh, in your loss to the Cleveland Cavaliers. And still at some point you blew a 22-point lead to the Pistons on the road that you shouldn't have. You lost to a Lakers team last night that, yes, was literally playing for their coach's life. Bill Oram, who used to write here for the Tribune, wrote that if they had lost last night, Frank Vogel was going to get fired 
today, if they lost last night, LeBron had just apologized to Magic Johnson and the entire Lakers fan base that they had to get this win. They were playing for their collective identities in L.A., and the Jazz barely lost that game. And still, it felt like a really, really, really bad loss for the Jazz last night. I will tell you why last night was absolutely not a make-or-miss night. We'll do that later because I find that whole idea aggravating. And it's maybe the Jazz' biggest problem, which was on display. Okay. Maybe even a bigger problem than the perimeter defense, honestly. And the perimeter defense wasn't awful last night. It It wasn't great. Now, the Lakers are particularly atrocious on the perimeter. Like, yeah, Russell Westbrook's trying to bank in 22-footers. <laughs> doesn't work. Yeah, well, I mean, they played hard defensively. That was not you. their problem. No, it Jazz. Was not. And, and honestly, one of the main issues also was that the Jazz, Donovan Mitchell, and he said this after the game, Donovan Mitchell, Jordan Clarkson, and Boyan Bogdanovich combined to shoot 0 of 18 from the three-point line in a game they lost by six. Yeah, well, if you take a bunch of threes fading out of bounds and sure, all that stuff. Sure, I mean, they took some very awful. tough shots. Uh, they okay. did take some tough shots. We'll we'll get to that okay. a little bit later on in the show. Megan, let's, uh, let's move on uh, to the... Uh, the next one. Megan's doing like triple two. Here. Yeah. Utes lose, but BYU wins in basketball. Tough one. Tough one over the weekend. The Utes really needed to get that win over Arizona State because now they go and play the two Los Angeles schools that are both top 10 uh, teams in the country, and then they also have to play Arizona. They really, really, really needed that win to snap this losing streak, and they did not get it. How uh, bad are the Utes, and how expected is it that they're bad? I want to say they're worse than I expected. And it was also probably unfair for me to go into this season with a new coach, with how things had been trending at Utah, and all the talent that left, including most of their good players that left last season, on top of Brandon Carlson being hurt right now because he had to get emergency surgery, that maybe I shouldn't have had had any expectations for them to be any good as it was. But yeah, they got crushed by Arizona. No, no, no surprise. They lost sixty-four to eighty-two. Then they lost last night to Arizona State in a game they needed to win sixty-four, sixty-two. And now they're playing the UCLA and uh, USC schools. It was tough. They're the worst team in the conference by far. Well, yeah. I mean, they've have they won a league game yet? Yeah, they beat Cal. They're getting smoked in league, Ben. Yeah, they smoked. Are. Yeah, they're one and seven. Brutal. The next closest team is Oregon State, who's one and five, and Oregon State's one win. Is against the Utes. So, I mean, I wonder, how do we evaluate Craig Smith here? Do, I, we, do we put this on Larry? Do we put it on a coaching change? You know because what? when there's a coaching change, everybody leaves. Correct. You can't really judge anything in the first year, and then you're coming off of a pandemic season, which is already very goofy. I'm not chalking this up. In fact, you want to know what the, the good sign is? That they've played hard in a lot of these games. That's a good sign. The kids are listening to Craig Smith. They're just not good enough. But they're playing hard. Well, he needs to get Nimi Keita, the next version. He does. 2.0 he does. He needs to find talent. Door. you yeah. got to find NBA talent. The Pac-12 is loaded with NBA talent. You get shelled by Arizona. You lose to Arizona State in a close game that you tried to send to overtime. You're going to lose to UCLA, and you're going to lose to USC, and these are gonna, this is going to be an eight-game losing streak. And then you've got Washington State, Washington, Oregon State again in Oregon. Like that's, This could get to 10 games. Very conceivably, this could get mm-hmm. to 10 games. Uh, but it's a very tough spot that the Utes have found themselves in. But like I said, maybe the the, the one positive is it seems like they're playing hard. B 
BYU, however, they get a win over San Francisco, uh, 71 to 69. They are three and one now in league with their only loss, obviously coming to Gonzaga. But I don't know. How seriously are we taking the Cougs without any size? Uh, not as seriously as you were earlier in the season, certainly when they were getting some impressive wins. Uh, it, it's just going to be tough when you're shorthanded again. And, and, you know, they've got some of these guys that are lost for the season. Uh, Barcelo's incredible and is fun to watch. And Caleb Lohner certainly has some chops and, and has his moments as well. But, it's just going to be, you know, it's going to be probably business as usual in the WCC. Where Gonzaga's great, BYU's the next best team, but the gap between those two is is pretty significant this year, unfortunately. It's kind of the same old story, isn't it, in yep. the West Coast Conference? Yep. I'm not going to miss that. No, and, and you know what? That's going to just be, because BYU does have talent coming in, they're just going to be treading water till they get to the Big 12, and we can talk about something different. And I, that's a boring take, but it's probably the accurate take. And honestly, it's probably, other than these guys who are you know juniors and seniors, it's probably what they understand as well. Yep. Mark Pope probably gets it too. All right. Up next. Number three. The winners and losers from NFL Wildcard Weekend. Well, you were the winner, Jake. I was the loser. I picked the one wrong game. I thought the Patriots were going to have a chance. I kind of bullied you into that pick, though. Well, I I had been picking them as the dark horse Super Bowl champion. I I thought midway through the season, the way they were playing, as good as Mac Jones looked, considering how much talent they have on the defensive side of the ball, hey, that team could really make some noise, and they got crushed. But so many teams got crushed over the weekend. Okay, it was, honestly, this is how bad a weekend it was. I picked every game. You picked every game but one, and again, I kind of bullied you into your wrong pick. We and, kind of drew and, a line and, in the sand. And, right, exactly. So I don't even know if I'm even qualifying that. It was entirely predictable, and most of the games, actually I'll say all of the games outside of the Raiders-Bengals sucked. Oh, I thought 49ers-Cowboys was fun. Horrible it was a horrible game. game. Bad game. Horribly played. But it was horribly officiated. Bad coached. The, <laughs> the coached. Poorly coached. The, the latest example of why we just need to get rid of replay. Just get rid of it. Yeah. It just prolonged yep. the painful death of that game. I do like Kellen Moore's last play as the offensive coordinator for the, the Cowboys because he probably gets a head coaching job. Was calling a quarterback sneak with 14 seconds left and no timeouts. <laughs> okay, here's, here's the, most, the most horrible part about that play call. Listen, you, so David James gets, has no traffic in the mornings when he comes in, right? Uh-huh. He can tell you down to the darn second yes. how long it takes Correct. him to get from his house to here. And what time the lights switch. Yes! So what time the lights on his path to the station change so he knows when he has to leave the house. There are some hard and fast things that you just know. You know, I mean, you put microwave burritos in the microwave for two minutes. Yep. It takes two minutes yep. to get that thing frozen on the inside and scalding on the out. Correct. Two minutes Correct. for that uh, that happy medium of the frozen yep. burrito. In the NFL, coaches have got to know, and I saw it speculated online, that it's somewhere from 17 to 19 seconds yes. in order to have a play down the middle of the field, get up to the ball, get it set, and spiked. It's a hard and fast time. Yep. They tried to run a quarterback sneak or draw with 14 seconds and left. It, That's not even close. It wasn't four yards. He ran like 18 yeah. yards. <laughs> and then the the referee running him over to spot yep. the ball was pretty hilarious. But he, he didn't give the ball to the umpire, which I've seen Correct. plenty of players get tackled, Ben. The vast majority stand up and throw the ball to the umpire. And what's funny is some people do know, like you said, some people do know the time to a T, including Tony Romo who was talking about the Cowboys should get the ball back as long as they can get a stop here 
with this one timeout, and you have the two-minute warning, said they will get the ball back with roughly 45 seconds with 80 yards to go. Like, knew exactly two minutes out, which is like 15 minutes of real time in the NFL, knew exactly how much time and where the ball would be that they were going to get the ball back. And apparently the Cowboys coaching staff, nobody knew it. But Tony Romo in the booth knew it. So i got to tell you, I did not hear Tony um, say that because uh, I was on the air when that was happening doing jazz pregame. And if you go back and listen to the tape, Ben, uh, you can tell – because in the middle of one of Coach Lacombe's uh, fantastic points on the pregame, you probably heard this in the background. <laughs> <laughs> that is the sound legit of the palm hitting my palm. forehead. Yep, a legit <laughs> face palm. Oh, it was awful. Here, I, had to, I had to hold back from in the middle of, of Coach being like, well, you know, the Jazz need to move the ball yep. and this needs to happen and that needs to happen. We're going, what is that brainless moron thinking? No, I was cackling. At the stupidity of how they were operating in that game. Oh, it was insane. Is that? Is but that, that was bad management and over. We can talk. Let's talk about it more coming up because I thought I thought football was great over the weekend. Okay. Let's talk about it a little bit more coming up in the next segment. Stay tuned. More Jake and Ben coming up next. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The sports you love. The teams you can't live without. Get a sense of urgency. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com. Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Continuing on the football conversation, we'll get back into the jazz in the top of the 11 o'clock hour. Randy Ray is going to be on the show at 11.30. I don't think I picked the 49ers to beat the Cowboys, actually. I think I picked the Cowboys. I think I got that game wrong, too. Oh, maybe did we? I, thought I think we, we both picked, did. Yeah, I thought but we picked the uh, the Niners. I don't remember Were we them. dumb enough to pick Mike McCarthy? Was I that a thing? I thought Dak was going to outdo Jimmy Garoppolo, and the fact that he didn't is not a condemnation on Dak, though he should have had better clock management himself. Sometimes, again, we were kind of just talking about this off the air, when you're the last person with the ball, it's your responsibility to make the right play. So even if Kellen Moore is saying quarterback sneak here we think we can get 15 extra yards sometimes Dak might need to call an audible at the line of scrimmage and be like ah, i'm just gonna chuck it out of bounds actually <laughs> yeah, coach, the, we're not going to do this, that you know what's more important than getting 15 yards closer having a chance to win the game and they were playing and they put themselves in a situation to not even have a chance to win the game i don't get coaches sometimes because i guess they, they just do the d- dumbest most obvious stuff and you wonder like aren't you smart like the niners head coach who absolutely was responsible for the biggest implosion in Super Bowl history. Yes. I mean, personally responsible because of his terrible play calling, but yet gets a a head job the next year and made half a dozen mistakes in that game that he would be roasted for today had he not been outdone by the uh, uh, lack of intelligence coming from the entire Dallas Cowboys organization. Uh let, How do these people get jobs, Ben? Sorry, go ahead. There are uh, – it was not a great weekend for the NFL. Now, every NFL game is fun, even if it's a blowout. But most of these games – I mean, last night's game was unwatchable after the first quarter. Yeah, it was, it was over. What, 
21-0 midway through the second. You just, it was unwatchable. You didn't need yep. to, you didn't need to know what was going to happen the rest of the game. There was just no chance. That Kyler Murray had what like twenty six yards at half or something crazy. Terrible. They were terrible. Just and good awful. for the Rams. Rams really showed up and showed out and they played well. Who was the most impressive team from the weekend? The Bills. You think the Bills were the most I impressive? Yes, they probably beat the best team. Well, the Steelers. I mean, other other people say the Chefs, right? But the Steelers might be the worst team to ever make the playoffs. They should not. That I mean, they didn't they tie the Lions earlier this year? Yeah, actually, yeah. the the Washington football team last year was the worst team to ever make the playoffs. So, but the Steelers gave them a run for their money. Yes, it was absolutely horrendous, and that was it. Correct. The Chiefs should have won that game. The Chiefs have a ton of momentum. That was that wasn't surprising at all. I do think that yes, the Bills probably had the best weekend as far as playing an actually good team. With a great head coach, and they just steamrolled him. Did you see the video of Ryan Fitzpatrick in the stands yes, without a shirt on? And it was five degrees at that stadium. The wind chill, it was something like minus four yeah. or something yeah. ridiculous. Hilarious. And here's the Amish rifle with his shirt off. He's carrying some weight on him, though. He's he got some is, natural insulation. He looked good. He's there. got well. First of all, he's got that natural sweater. He's got the Robin Williams body hair thing going on. He's just covered in body hair, and then had a pretty good little gut that he's been working on since since the season ended. I guess you know what I love about him. He's the first one, to my knowledge, to really embrace the. I'll be the veteran quarterback that plays for a zillion different teams, yeah. and you're going to give me millions of dollars, right. and I'll play when you need me. And yeah. if you don't want actually, me to play, I'll chill. I'll be pretty good. I'll, I'll have a good attitude. I'll be a good yeah. locker room guy, yeah. and I'm just going to live my best life. I always liked him for that reason. Joe Burrow looked great against the Raiders, I thought, and still that game was much closer than it should have been. And thanks to the officials, probably should have gone to at least overtime. Yeah. But that inadvertent, you can't have an inadvertent whistle in the end zone on a touchdown play in the playoffs. And the NFL, in fact, even though the NFL lied after the game and said, nope, whistle didn't go off before he threw the ball. We we all saw it. We all heard it. We have replay a thousand times. You don't need to lie to us now at this point. But they did say that that uh, that uh, officiating staff is not going to be working the rest of the playoffs. I felt like that was the weekend of watching the NFL for me. It was like, hey, fire that guy. Fire yeah. that guy. Yeah. The person who blew the whistle there, yeah, that guy shouldn't make it out of the out of the building with a job. Like, talk about the worst. It, the, well, it, you're right. It was not a gorgeous weekend for the NFL. Awful. Yeah. Now, again, it's the NFL, so everybody had a good time and everybody watched it. I would love, Ben, to pick the Bengals over the Titans. Talk me out of it. Is it simply just Derrick Henry is that good? If Derrick Henry's back. And he's, ready to he's go. Back, he's got to practice. But... Yes, if he's back, back, what I mean. Like, if he's 100% or as close as he can get, and they've had an extra week of rest, which really is, it's not something I really believed a ton of until I've talked to every football player on earth, and they say, oh, man, that extra week, you just there's no substitute for it. You're healthier. You've game-planned. Yes, that would be the reason Tennessee can do it, and I was a little disappointed with how they played against the Raiders. But, yeah, let's just talk about what the schedule is coming up this weekend because a lot of people probably haven't seen it because it was a busy weekend. Bengals are at the Titans coming up on Saturday. Niners are at the Packers coming up Saturday That's night. That's going to be a beating. That's going to be an ugly game. That's, That's gonna not going to be, be worth beating. watching. And, again, why are we putting these markets <laughs> like Buffalo and Green Bay on in the middle of the night? I'm telling you, though, the the revenge tour for Aaron Rodgers, which has gone against every what everybody apparently in the United States at this point, I mean, there's no team he loves beating more than the Bears or the San Francisco 49ers, the 49ers being the team, obviously, that passed on him on draft night to take out In Smith. his pseudo-hometown. Correct. Yeah. Uh, and then Sunday, Rams taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The uh, Buffalo Bills are on the road at the Kansas City Chiefs. That's the best game, obviously. Yep. 
That's going to be a great game. Rams-Bucks is probably close. Rams-Bucks is awesome, too. Rams beat the Bucks earlier this season, but that game was in L.A. So now you've got to go play in Tom Brady on his home turf. I think you can make the argument that this is the best weekend of NFL playoffs. Oh, I, I think that's guaranteed every week. A lot and of people w- say conference championship. I think this is better. This is better, and they've ruined wildcard weekend by adding two more teams. Now, I like it. Because I get to watch these teams play, and I love football, and I love watching the games, and I loved having a game on yesterday during the Jazz game, and I loved having games on Sunday night before the Jazz game. I watched too much football this weekend entirely, but there was two extra games to watch, so I really enjoyed it. I love that clip from the Manning cast, which is a brilliant idea, by the way. Whoever so came up with that one, you know, give them a raise. Speaking of, don't fire that guy, because right. that's brilliant. With Peyton Manning was having trouble and had a hot mic moment. Did you see that? Oh, I didn't see that one. So, I don't know, we could... We could bleep it and play play the sound maybe coming up. But, but basically, Eli throws it to Peyton, says, well, let's see what Peyton thinks about that. And all you hear from Peyton, go, he goes, I can't hear bleep. <laughs> and then Eli has a great, great moment where he just goes, never mind. <laughs> it Did was you see so them? funny. Everyone now has seen Kyler Murray's horrendous pick six where yeah. he's getting sacked instead of taking the safety he underhands a ball 15 feet into the air which is just ripe for getting picked off and of course that's what the rams did and walked it into the end zone the reaction from the manning brothers was so good and so exactly why you have to have that because it shows you a two hall of fame quarterbacks but how they respond to being a quarterback in that situation and not just like as a fan where i can be like well why would you do that but like the pain of watching those quarterbacks who know what you can and can't do on the football field. Watch the pain they felt as that gets walked into the end zone. I mean, they were cringing so hard they couldn't watch it. That's how much they love the game. They love the position of playing quarterback, the decision-making. They cringed so bad that they both turned away from the screen to watch it because it hurt them. Like It haunts them, the idea of making that bad of a decision. And they had The Rock on the call with them, and The Rock opened a bottle of liquor and started drinking yeah, it tequila. Does Rock own a tequila company? Because the immediate thing to. I thought was was product pres- product placement. All right, Megan, I know we're way over, but let me ask you this real quick. Okay, because I I have this question after Wild Card Weekend every, uh, every year because it seems to me like fans or or pundits or whatever just want to give up on quarterbacks after tough losses in the playoffs, right? Like. Kyler Murray has gone from overnight Golden from the, yeah. the the next star at quarterback in the NFL to a bump. Should the Cardinals cut him? Correct. After one bad What's game. What's Josh Rosen doing? You know, and like uh, it, it happened to Lamar Jackson, remember? Correct. That, that he lost his first playoff game and everybody's like, well, it's over. Dak, it, it was cute. Dak is going through it right now. Yeah. Well, Dak has won a playoff yeah. game though at least. But but you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, Do we overreact to playoff losses? Of course. 100% we do, of course. To the fact where the 49ers are going to talk themselves into starting Jimmy Garoppolo next year. Because he won a game over the Dallas Cowboys think, on the road and was a bum. Yeah, they should move but on from him. They, they should, but they may not. They don't have to now. And teams don't do anything they don't have to do. That's what you've learned following professional like with, sports. With the Titans, where they've won a couple of playoff games, are Correct. we talking ourselves into Ryan yes. Tannehill? Did, yes. the, did Tennessee yes. talk themselves yes. into him? Yes. Because they accidentally hey, won some playoff we games? We can tie this into the Utah Jazz if we want to talk about that coming up next. All right. Plus, I want to get to their flaw. Okay. That's uh, And the most aggravating take of all time. It's a make or miss league, is it? Stay tuned. More next. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. 
In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.